are listening to the Smoky Acre podcast. I'm your host, Charlie, and this is the podcast about my imperfect journey to a homestead lifestyle and lowering my environmental footprint. Hello, everyone. I'm sorry. I know I missed posting an episode last Monday, but I'll hopefully be able to get this one up today because today is Monday. And honestly, it feels like way longer since I've sat down to record an episode. It's been a crazy couple of weeks for me. Just one thing after another. I feel like I've barely been home. And when I have been home, I've just been getting things done around here. So I haven't really had a second to just sit down and take time to do this. But I made time today. So first, after... I posted last, or not last week's, but two weeks ago, when I posted two weeks ago, that Tuesday was when I got my new stove, which I know I had talked about, but the new stove came, and it has made a world of a difference, like, oh my gosh, I knew I was going to like this stove, but I didn't realize how much better my life was going to be with having a nice stove. I now can cook things at a proper temperature. Whereas before, I could really only set my burners to high or medium high. Anything below that, it seemed like it really just did not cook food well. And now using, because we got a gas stove instead of electric, so using the gas when you have the actual flame, things seem to like cook way better things are cooking way better in our cast iron pans than they were on like an electric coil stove. I can actually use my oven now because I don't know if I mentioned but the oven door of our last stove was actually coming off. So you'd have to have two people. One person to kind of hold the door together and open it while the other person put something in the oven. So having an actual working oven has made a world of a difference and I am really excited now that it's getting colder out again. I feel like I can use my stove a little bit more versus in the middle of the summer I try to avoid using the stove because I don't want to heat up the house. We don't have air conditioning here so try to avoid using the oven and so I'm really excited to start making bread again. And to make bread in an oven that's actually going to properly cook it. And I don't have to rotate it multiple times. And there's even a bread proofing setting on this oven as well. Which will make a world of a difference. And I'm hoping it just makes my bread making a little bit easier this time around. So that's been super awesome. But after that was delivered on Tuesday, I I didn't even get a chance to use it because Kyle spent the rest of the day finishing the installation of it and then Wednesday I left and went down to the cities because my friends Katie and Alex got married on that Friday not this past Friday but the Friday before and I was the maid of honor in Katie's wedding I'm knowing I've been talking about it a lot but I was her maid of honor, and so I went down on Wednesday just to, like, well, first, we, like, went and had a nail appointment, and I helped make sure that things were just getting situated, and then Thursday, we made all the bouquets and the corsages and all of that, 
on did that on Thursday morning and then Thursday was the rehearsal dinner and then Friday they got married so I was down there for three days for that and it was lots of fun and it was such a beautiful wedding Katie was just radiant and gorgeous and just looked so beautiful and then their ceremony was just such a beautiful ceremony it was outside they had fantastic weather it was a little cold but the sun was out and there was fall colors and I cried like a little baby through the whole entire ceremony I was standing so I could only see Katie's back but I had a good view of Alex and when he read his vows, I just lost it. I was like crying the whole time and had already given away the two Kleenexes I had, one to Katie and one to one of the other bridesmaids. So I was stuck with just like a wet face and thankfully my makeup actually stayed, but which is kind of shocking. But yeah, I just had like a wet face throughout the whole entire ceremony and it was just, it was such a fun time and it was very small wedding. It wasn't their original wedding plans because of COVID reasons. So it was very small, just like the wedding party and some very immediate family members of theirs. But I think that made it very like intimate and very special. And I'm just really glad I got to be a part of that day. And then that following day, that Saturday, we had another wedding to go to. Some family friends of Kyle's. Um, this guy Andy that he grew up with and they're both of the families are super involved with each other and he got married to Emily and so we went to their wedding over and that was closer to our house so we weren't as far away and we got to come home that night but Kyle's parents stayed at our house and then the next two days him and his dad started building the hearth for our wood stove so it was just like one thing after another, like prep for a wedding, wedding, another wedding, people at our house. And we're super thankful that Kyle's dad helped us with that or helped Kyle with that. Because if Kyle was trying to, he built this platform so it's about a foot or so off of the ground. Then they made the frame and they tiled it and installed it in the house and I just think if Kyle was doing that by himself, he's perfectly capable of it. But it helps to have someone who is, has done more tile work than he has, has made a hearth for a wood stove before. It just made it go a lot smoother, made it a lot more enjoyable. So I'm really thankful that his dad was here to help us with that. But we have the hearth all built. And so basically like the platform in the corner of our living room put together and then hopefully, I think in the next couple weeks, the wood stove is supposed to be delivered. I think tomorrow or the next day, we're getting a bunch of wood delivered to season for next year from the same guy that delivered us firewood the year before. So we have that being delivered. So lots of things going on around here. But we got that all set. And then after they left, we only had a day or two to kind of get prepped and do some things around the house and then we went on like a little backpacking trip and did the hiking trail the bean and bear hiking trail um and camped on bear lake we left on thursday and we were a little worried because we left a little bit later in the day but 
we thankfully got like the prime camping spot on Bear Lake, which we had to basically defend for the rest of the weekend, which was the unfortunate part of the trip was it was so busy there all weekend, like tons and tons of people. Um, So we had tons of people walking into our campsite at various times throughout the whole entire day to see if there was either room for them to put up their tents at the campsite with us or if there was more space like around there for camping. So that was the unfortunate part of that trip. Um, And it's a pretty intense hike in there too. I think it's like three and a half miles or something or four miles, but it's basically all uphill in there. And then when you have your pack with your food and your clothes and your tent and all of that, it kind of ends up being an intense hike. But it was a gorgeous weekend. I mean, this time of the year, you really don't know if you're gonna get snow or if it's gonna rain or be freezing cold. But we had beautiful weather and that Friday, so we went in on Thursday, camp Thursday night, Friday, and we were with uh, two other couples, some of our friends, and our friends Rachel and JC on Friday, they got married. They were supposed to have their wedding that day here in Duluth, but had to reschedule for next year, and so they wanted to elope and asked Kyle to perform the ceremony, so Kyle had to get officiated online and file that with the county, and so on Friday, we hiked up to the top overlook that overlooks Bear Lake, and then you can see Bean Lake behind it, and Kyle married our two good friends, Rachel and JC, and that was another really beautiful ceremony. Super intimate. I mean, it was Kyle, Rachel, and JC, their two dogs. I took photos, and Jordan, she took a video, and then Tom was there hanging on to my dog, Jasper, and so it was just the six of us and the three dogs, and they read their vows that were very beautiful and very them, and Kyle did a great job performing the ceremony. It was his first ceremony he's ever performed, so he did a great job, and it was just, it was a very intimate and beautiful thing that I'm really happy I was able to witness, and it's just such a beautiful spot, too, overlooking Bean and Bear. So that happened this past weekend, and now I am very sore, (laughs) because apparently my body has gotten really old. So carrying a pack in and out of the Spear Hiking Trail did not, my body did not agree with it the way that it should. Just means I'm a little out of shape and I should probably be doing hikes like that more often. But I was talking to Kyle and I just think we've been so busy this summer and then with COVID and everything too, we haven't left the house much. We are just, although we work really hard around here, it's not the same kind of exercise that you get with doing a more intense hike with a pack on your back. It just, I'm a little sore is all and a little exhausted. But yeah, now we're back home and I think we have a little, well not downtime because we always have things to do around here, but a little downtime before we have to go places. So, other than that, I don't think 
there has been, well, I was going to say, I don't think there's been a whole lot else going on, but honestly, I would have exploded if there was anything else going on. Like, it's just been one thing after another. But I did get my absentee ballot in the mail the other day, so this is your daily reminder to go and vote. Make sure you're registered. If you can vote by mail, do it that way. But remember, you can still vote at the polls. Your polling place might be different than usual if you're used to going to one place, so make sure you just check ahead of time. Make sure you are being informed about the candidates. I know we're probably all exhausted of getting these reminders. I am constantly getting texts from different organizations being like, who are you voting for? Or this is your reminder to vote. Or do we have your vote for this person? And if you're on social media at all, it's just, you're just being bombarded with information. But I still think it's important to say, and I think there is an ad running. I recorded one through um, Anchor with resources for voting. So maybe that will play during this episode. I honestly don't know how that works. But yeah, so go and vote. And that's all I'll say about that. But yeah, so today I am drinking Wild State Cider, their seasonal series, the Apple Pie Cider, which I think is very appropriate for today's episode which is all about the apple day that we had and the all the apples that we harvested this season. There isn't a whole lot to talk about. I just wanted to talk about the amount of apples that we got and what we did with them. Maybe I'll give you some ideas of things that you can do and then have like a little bit of history to go over just in case you are interested in the history of apples. <laughs> Which sounds a little ridiculous when I say it out loud. Apples are actually not native to the United States. I feel like a lot of people know that, but if you didn't, now you do. Um, They were brought over by settlers or colonizers. They brought cuttings and seeds and started growing apples. But the first apples that they brought over and started growing were actually not eaten raw or really just eaten as an apple because they were very tart and so apples were originally used for making cider. Um, So cider was the main way that people consumed apples and more often than not they fermented it so that it lasted longer and was a hard cider then. And when I was reading, which I realized I'm not very good about citing my sources, but a lot of times I'm finding information through the History Channel And that is where I found this information, too. Um, Plus, just some of it I know and learned at some point, and I can't cite that source because I don't remember where I heard of it first. But I usually like to fact-check things that I heard, so I'm not giving you false information. But yeah, so they would have hard cider, and it was actually what they would serve with their dinner a lot of times because there was sanitation concerns with the water. Um, So they would serve hard cider with dinner and usually would do like a diluted version for children. Um, And it was just a really huge trade. It was a big part of the economy. Cider was super popular. 
people traded seeds. I was reading something about Thomas Jefferson was like one of the people that helped create the Fuji apple, I guess, because he traded and made deals and stuff with people and apparently he was super into food. I don't know, weird random fact. But yeah, it was very big. Um, and throughout history, apples have remained one of the most popular and widely um, eaten fruits in the United States. Although, according to the History Channel, that has been surpassed by bananas the past few years. So, um, Americans tend to eat about 19 pounds of apples per year, and that was just surpassed by bananas with 28 pounds per year. Some fruit facts for ya. But the apples actually are a huge part of the food economy here in the United States. Um, it is the third most produced fruit in the United States and super important for the economy. That's behind grapes and oranges being the first and second. So apples are the third and they are grown in every single state in the that is part of the United States. Whereas bananas are only grown in Florida and Hawaii. So really, it would make more sense for apples to be more widely consumed for, than bananas because they are grown in every single state and you can get a more local product and then your footprint is less as well because you're not having things being shipped all the way from Florida to northern Minnesota. And we have plenty of places that grow apples around here. We're not too far from Bayfield, Wisconsin, which hosts their Apple Fest every single year, which would have happened just like this past week or two usually. So there's tons of orchards around here too. So it's you can get a more local product. And they are in fact healthier for you than a lot of other things. That's where that saying an apple a day keeps the doctor away. There's actually a little bit of truth to that. Although the original saying was a little bit different. It was like, oh I should have wrote this down. But it was more like an apple before bed stops the doctor from getting his bread or something like that. It was pretty similar to that. But yeah, and then it just was changed to an apple a day keeps the doctor away. And although there's no conclusive studies that say that it is like medicinal or anything like that, there has been history of people using apples for medicinal purposes. And although that's not backed by science, it is still a healthier food option. So there is some truth to that saying as well. Yeah, so Kyle and I have one main apple tree in our yard, as well as a handful of crab apple trees. We have like two main crab apple trees in our front yard, but then we have various crab apple trees throughout the whole property because deer and rabbits and all those animals that spread seeds for us. So we have a bunch of different crab apple trees, but you're not really just eating a crab apple but you can make them into cider. Um, and it is recommended too, if you are making cider, to have more than one apple variety because it just helps balance the flavor and make a more flavorful cider. But we have one main apple tree and I do not know what kind of apple it produces. And I don't know how to figure it out. I think I would have to send in 
an Apple or something to like the U of M or some place that can like do tests on it. And honestly, I don't really care about what variety it is. It's a good apple. It's a decent size. About Some of the apples get relatively big. Some of them are a little bit smaller, but they can be about hand size. And it's a really good tasting apple. It's a little sweet. It has like a good crispness to it. So it's a good apple. That's all I know about it. But we got so many apples and I've been told the apples are kind of an every other year producing tree and that's what the owners of this house told us when we were signing the papers was okay the apple tree it produces quite a few but it really only produces every single year every other year and so the first year last spring when we moved in we got a good amount of apples and we made a bunch of apple pie mix and a couple jars of applesauce and we're like that's like pretty good if that's what we get every other year spring to fall, we really weren't expecting to get that many apples because last year we had a good amount. Well, this year we had more than double what we had last year. And I'm talking this tree was like being weighed to the ground. Now that it's done producing a little bit later in the year here, we do have to get in and trim it. I had trimmed some of the lower branches but I need to shape the tree a little bit more and I need to trim the top because these branches had just way too much weight on them and just produced so many apples. It was insane. I'm going to post the picture today of me sitting with all these buckets of apples around me. Um, and I honestly don't even know how many apples that we got. I was feeling five gallon buckets as well as a couple different bins and I equated it to be about like whole apples. So you have to remember there's space in there but probably filled about 90 gallons of apples whole apples with space. So that's not really an accurate way of measuring how many apples we got. If I would have weighed them that would have been a little bit more accurate but that's also a little extra and I didn't do that. But it was a lot, to say the least. Um, so lots of apples, and I probably picked about two-thirds of the tree. I didn't pick any of the top third just because it was, like, so difficult to get to. So all the apples that you are seeing in the picture aren't even all the apples that were on the tree. Not to mention all the apples that we lost to the blue jays and the squirrels and the wind, therefore the chickens and deer. So we lost tons and tons of apples and we also had way more apples than we knew what to do with. So we decided let's have an apple day and we had some of our good friends come to town and my sisters also came to town and they spent the night here on a Friday night and Saturday morning we got up, we made breakfast, and I had rented an apple press through the Duluth Community Garden Program here in Duluth. I am not a member of the garden program, so for me it was $45 for the weekend to rent the apple press, which is a pretty good deal. And then we also got this little tabletop apple press made out of cast iron that Kyle found at like this little flea market thing, which is good for like small batches, but we had a lot of apples to process. 
Um, and then I have an apple peeler and corer, which I had talked about in the little bonus apple episode that I posted. So I have one of those, and then my friend Bailey brought three more. So we basically divided into two teams, people that wore that were coring and slicing the apples, and then people that were sending them through the apple press. And we tried to divide the apples too. So like really nicely shaped, good size apples went on the core to slice and core and peel. And then ones that were a little funnier shaped or maybe had like a bruise or something like that went through the apple press. So the apple press, was this contraption and I don't even know how to explain it. It was looked like something homemade but basically had this compartment and you throw the apples in there and it grinds all the apples and you throw them in their hole like seeds, stems, skin, all of that. You throw it in there, it grinds it all out the bottom into a mesh bag. That mesh bag goes into like this barrel and on top you have part that you crank down and it presses it's like a plate that presses all the apples and compresses it and basically squishes all the juice out of the apple the broken up apple bits and that juice is your cider so it's a pretty simple machine was super efficient and I don't know how many apples that we sent through the grinder and pressed, but we ended up with seven and a half gallons of cider, which then after being all the juice being squeezed out, Kyle brought inside. He boiled it just to like make sure it was more sanitary. And then we bottled it in growlers, sent everyone home with a growler that came and helped us out. Um, and then we and still had quite a few, I think like six growlers left behind. Um, so we've been drinking lots of cider lately, as well as I guess I'm also buying cider from Wild State. We aren't fermenting any of it, so it's all non-alcoholic, but you know, you can add a shot of rum in there to your hot cider and now it's not non-alcoholic and it's pretty good. We've had a few of those to say the least but yeah so we made a bunch of cider and that was the guys kind of took over that task and then me and a couple others Bailey and Laura and my sisters kind of helped out there too we did put apples on the corer which you stick the apple on one side you spin the handle it peels the apple and it slices it as it spins it, so it basically spiralizes it and takes the core out. Um, a very simple machine as well, um, and that's hand-powered. And then we were putting all the cores and the peels off to the side, and then we put the sliced apples in another bowl. The cores and the peels, um, a lot of them went through the apple grinder and then were pressed in the cider. Um, and then we fed some to the chickens that were walking around and we fed a lot of like the leftover pulp that was pressed and those apple cores and peels to the goats as well because they love apples. And then the ones that were sliced and ready to go, we put in gallon-sized bags, labeled them, and those are in my freezer right now. 
and we ended up with 15 gallon bags everyone else was like everyone was sent home with a bag as well but I still have quite a few bags of apples in my freezer those will either be made for pies and for apple crisp I already made an apple crisp that I packed and like broke up into parts but like cooked ahead of time and then brought with me backpacking as like their wedding dessert I brought an apple crisp um which usually isn't a backpacking meal because apples aren't the lightest but the way I did it it ended up being not pretty easy and turned out pretty well so already made one apple crisp but lots of pies in the future more apple crisp and I also think I'm gonna do take a couple of those bags and make some applesauce because applesauce is so easy you basically put your apples in a blender you blend them you add a sweetener which we just use our own maple syrup but you can use like any sort of sweetener if you want or you can add cinnamon flavor it how you want and then you put it in jars and you got applesauce so you can either like just make as much applesauce as you need to have in your fridge or you can also can it so that's a super easy thing to do with apples as well something that I haven't looked into is making apple butter but I mean I have so many apples I might as well try and then I've also made a couple uh, gallon bags of apple chips so we have a dehydrator and some of the apples that I have have cored and sliced and peeled those I just put in our dehydrator and I dehydrate those for about eight and a half hours and put them in a bag and then they're shelf stable and brought some of those backpacking plus they're just like a really good snack we put eat them with peanut butter we put some in our oatmeal so that's a really good snack to have on hand as well I love dehydrated fruit so to be able to make my own dehydrated fruit from apples that grow on a tree right out my front door is pretty great. But yeah, so that is essentially what we did with all the apples that we got this year. Cider, dried apples, and just slice and freeze. So kind of covered all those food processing methods as well. We got the freezing, we got the canning, if I can, applesauce. We got cider, which you can ferment, so kind of covers that fermenting one too. Um, but yeah, it kind of covers all the bases. There's so many different things that you can do with apples. And honestly, that is my favorite part of fall is the apple flavor. I am not pumpkin spice, all right, but like apple cider apple cinnamon candles and apple cider like a hot apple cider and apple pie and apple crisp that is one of my favorite things about fall but yeah I just kind of wanted to get on here and talk to you all about that maybe have an apple tree in your yard maybe went to apple fest in Bayfield one year and got a bunch of apples and then you're like we're not eating these apples fast enough or you know someone who has more apples than they know what to do with. I just thought there's a couple easy things that you can do with apples. Apple pie is one of the easiest pies that you can make and making applesauce is pretty simple as well. So plus the nice thing about making your own applesauce 
because you know exactly what's in there too. There's no added sugars or preservatives or any of that in there. So that's maybe a good snack too if you have kids is just to make your own applesauce really quick. I own one of those Ninja blenders and so it's a really quick process if you have like a good blender. But yeah, I think that is all I really wanted to cover. I mean, there's only so much that you can say about apples. Um, And then I am going to be posting a little bonus episode on here for you guys because I missed last week. And I'm just going to be talking about some of the things that we have to do to prep for winter because that is what we're doing over these next few days and weeks is getting ready for the snow to fall. And I realized when I was talking to my mom and was just like, yeah, we have a lot to do before winter. She's like, what? She's like, because for her, she just thinks winter's coming. You just take out your winter clothes. You put on your winter boots and your jacket and that's all you do to prep for winter. But when you have a homestead and you have animals and so many different projects that you're working on, there's quite a bit more that you have to do to prep for winter. So that will be just a little short episode on here. That I will hopefully get up today, but maybe it will be tomorrow. Don't know yet. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> but yeah, I hope you have a great rest of your day, and I will talk to you all soon. Bye-bye.